if you're on a discovery call or even on a strategy call, the idea is to have the idea come from the client, not from you. It's like you want to be hovering in a helicopter and there's a bunch of strings. You know where you want to land the client and you just make it seem like it was their idea. Right. That Give is an example of that. Yeah. So you know the best solution. So sometimes when you give somebody advice, they don't take the advice, right? They always want to go against what you're giving them. So the idea is to make it seem like they're the ones pulling on the strings, but you're really the puppet master up top. Yeah. And you would do that by presenting maybe two or three options. And you would really be pushing one, knowing that they're going to go with the other one, but that's the one you really want. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation. Scott Peckford here. Today on the show, I have Johnny Supa. Johnny is a mortgage broker who was previously in the car biz as a GM and then got into mortgages in 2017. And very extensive sales background. I have a fantastic conversation with Johnny. We talk about NLP, which is Neuro Linguistic Programming, and really it's about communication. And we get into some very specific tactics around that, which always a lot of fun conversation. And we just talk about the importance of, you know, being an outbound salesperson versus an inbound. When you sell cars, people come to you. As a mortgage broker, you have to go find clients. They're not going to just come, you know, walking in to talk to you. Also on the show today, which is actually appropriate, I think we have Kevin from KDK Financial on co-branding and finding more auto loans in your database. And so it's interesting that Johnny was in the auto business and more and more mortgage brokers are using KDK as a way to help their clients solve TDS problems, lower monthly payments. So we'll jump into that. Before we do, I wanted to give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application, document collection, submission platform designed specifically for Canadian borrowers. It is super easy to use for the borrower. So as they're filling it out, it's automatically figuring out what documents that they need and it'll send them a notification. And you may not be aware of this, but a lot of times when people are filling out mortgage applications, they've actually gathered up the documents in order to answer the questions. And we have found that more and more of them are just sending in applications and documents at the same time because it's just super easy. Also, when you get that app, it's got smart submission notes, so it pulls key data from the application and lets your lender know how to get through that file quicker. Check them out at lendescom slash Finmo and check out this episode with Johnny. Hey, Johnny, welcome to the show. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for having me. So tell me a bit about yourself and how you got into the mortgage business. All right. So I have a long history in sales. Won't go too far into that, but in my journey in buying real estate with my wife and I, I had some bad experiences when I got to selling my first property. I got some really bad advice from our TD Bank representative that took a shit storm of money out of my pocket and having bad advice from our realtor not explaining the process. It just it bugged me that I had to go and study mortgages. I didn't understand that buying a half million dollar home. Mm -hmm. having that kind of service. When I was selling cars at the time, you would come into my dealership and buy a $30,000 Volkswagen and you got white glove service. I just, right. I didn't understand the concept and I started studying mortgages and a few years shortly after I decided to jump in both feet. So why did you become a realtor instead of curiosity? Did you weigh that as an option? I did. I didn't want to drive people around and show them houses. Right. To me, being a realtor is almost retail where in our business and mortgages, you're a finance manager, right? Like I can work nine to five I can work from my home. I don't have to take my Saturdays and Sundays and drive people around showing them houses all day. I didn't right. want to do that. Yeah, it all depends on what matters to you. So you'd been in car sales, you said to me before, general manager, you ended up at yep. general manager role, and then you left that. So when did you jump into the mortgage business? How long ago? 
So 2017, right at the end is when I jumped into the mortgage business and I just, I quit the car business. And the next day I started the mortgage business. Right. So and, you just, did you go straight full time or did you like, what happened? There? No, straight full time. I got my license and I quit. As soon as I got my certificate from MPC, I just quit. I handed in my resignation and I jumped into this business. I knew I was doing it. Right. So you planned it out. And then how was your first year? So like, do you remember how many mortgages you did or what kind of volume? What was it like? Oh my gosh. So actually it was my first five, six months. I came out of the gate swinging pretty good. I got my first deal within my first week. So I was pretty good, but then it died right after that. So I got two deals out the gate and then about six months in, it was dead. I had no business and I thought it was going to be easy. And I had to circle back and say, okay, well, how do I create this journey? What do I do? And I just went back to my roots of sales and started making phone calls. Right. And then so you went through sort of the, I always call the valley of death where you're like six, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, I don't yeah. have any business. What yep. activity specifically moved the needle for you at that point? Oh, reaching out to realtors, no doubt. Like finding right. referral sources. I knew my database was one thing. I come from the car business world. So using a CRM was important. So sending out campaigns and triggers and nurturing, I understood that part of the business, but it wasn't mining my database well enough. So I knew that attracting realtors was going to be the key source. And I went out and started making relationships. How long did it take before you were like, okay, you know, I'm not going to have to go back to the car biz? Uh, <laughs> it took me about a year. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's, that's took, good. Sometimes it can go take longer, right? It just depends on yeah. everybody's situation is different. I remember maybe six months in, seven months in, I had my kitchen table and I had scripts written out everywhere. And I had a list of realtors and I was going through the list. And I was saying my pitch and I created somewhat of a presentation. That was the scariest moment ever because the traffic was different. I was so used to foot traffic coming to me and they would walk through the door and then I can do a pitch and whatever it was. In this case, it was like, you got to do outbound calls. Right. And I wasn't really used to that. I had to dig back into my door knocking days. Like I was telling you earlier, I spent a lot of years knocking on doors. I had to get back to that direct marketing sales side. Right. That was the hardest part. Yeah. Honestly, I always think people don't like rejection. There's a, you know, biological reason why we don't, because if you're rejected by the group, it usually meant death back, you know, caveman days. If the group rejected you, you were going to die. So we don't like being rejected. But I would say the number one thing that I observe for rejection is being stand up comedian, because literally it's like, make me laugh. And if you don't, I'm going to heckle you. Then I think right below that is door knocking because stand up comedy is getting rejected by the group, like, you know, in real life. Door knocking is one-to-one or one-to-whatever's in the house. And then the next below that would be making calls. So I got to think the door knocking must have been significantly more challenging and develop that muscle so that outbound calls probably were not as challenging as knocking on, you know, hundreds and hundreds of doors. No, no, it wasn't definitely, but it was getting back into that mindset. And I had to really dig deep because like I said, the transition from being in car sales where you're an inside sales guy. Yeah. Now I'm a mortgage agent. I'm an outside You're sales outbound. Person. You're outbound. Yeah, I'm outbound. Sales always. Yeah. So very, very different. And that mindset had to switch. I had to go back to my direct sales days where I was an outbound sales guy again. And yeah, the transition was a lot easier, but I had to put it in my schedule and I had to make that part of my daily routine. I had to schedule that time. Like you've got to do these calls. And it was, you know, it was block scheduling that hour of power, as I called it back then. And yeah. so like, you do basically you do an hour a day of outbound calls. And, Every day. and you would phone realtors and, and what was your purpose to set up meetings or what were you trying to do? Yeah. There? yeah. So at this point I had created a journey to success that I implemented myself. 
Yeah. Um, the journey to success was a roadmap I put together that allowed me to segregate certain times of my day, like block scheduling my time was the biggest thing I learned to do about seven, eight months into my journey. Right. The so, disciplined outbound activity is so important. Like it's one thing it to is. do it one day and you're like, oh, okay, woof, done. But you have to put it in for a period of time to get any kind of benefit from it. There's an old story my grandmother said to me. She says, if you do nothing for four months, and I don't mean do nothing in the sense of not being active, go to work, come home, dunk your cookies in milk, go to bed, wake up, go to work, dunk your cookies in milk and go to bed. There's nothing else you need right now. You don't need anything else outside in life. If you right. just do that for four months, you'll be ahead in life forever. Right. And I took that work ethic and you have to be consistent every day, outbound calls, every day, that hour of power, three past clients and three referral sources every single day. That was the rule. Right. That's a good rule. Okay. So let me ask you about a quote. I love quotes. Do you have a quote that's had an impact on your life or business? A quote. Yeah. I live by these things. One in particular is procrastination is the assassination of motivation. Oh, that's good. So how have you applied that? with this next quote, persistence overcomes resistance. All right. So when you went through that first seven months and you were like, oh, shoot, people aren't coming to me like when I was at the car dealership, even though you can sell and you understand how to talk to people and build rapport and trust. Yep. And yep. and you've even got some NLP training, which we're going to touch on in a minute or a little bit here, but you still have to do the outbound. And so, yeah, so uh, here's the yeah. thing. So that procrastination is the assassination, right? And the outbound calls and the discipline on the everyday daily routines a salesperson must continue momentum. And as soon as you get complacent because you've made one successful phone call, most people, as I call it, they get chubby really quick. And if the cat gets fat, they get lazy, they get complacent, and then they kill their momentum. And that's why in this business, the persistence must overcome resistance. You have to stay on schedule, on point, because that's just the way it goes. Yeah, that's and really good. And having the experience where knocking on doors, one thing, but being in the car sales business, you're chasing small commissions. Yeah. And that's where I think that discipline really kicks in where I'm all about volume. I want numbers. It's not like about how many numbers. cars would you sell in a month in a good month when you were back selling cars? Not to brag or anything, but I was top sales guy in the country for years. Right. I would sell on average 30 cars a month. This is early years and not with a high volume brand. I was with Volkswagen. So 2008, 9, 10, 11, Till 2015, you're selling Volkswagen 30 cars. And yeah. 30 cars a month. Yeah. Right. Okay. And the cool. average and, and the average guy would sell 10, maybe six. So I was right. like 3Xing them easy. Right. That's interesting. So can you share something that you failed at, but now looking back, there's a lesson there for you? Yeah. So something I failed at was creating a monster inside my mind. So I became that chubby cat. Being complacent, that made me fail. So I failed at being a leader really early in the car business, yeah. which I think is why certain things happened. I let my ego get ahead of me. And that's yeah. one of my biggest failures. I'll never let that happen again. So it's a, it's good that you actually recognize that the ego got ahead of you. So like, give me an example of why you thought your ego was getting ahead of you and then how you noticed it or how you reined it in or changed, made the adjustment. Yeah. So when it came to leadership, it was like my way or no way kind of deal. Yeah. And, you know, not everybody's going to have the same mentality as I do. They're not going to have the same work ethics. And I couldn't understand that. I would judge the person. And that to me was my biggest failure. I didn't let the person be them. I wanted them to be like me. And that can't happen. It's impossible. There's not two Scott Peckfords. 
And it would I be came super to realization. handy if it was, though. Let me tell you, if I had another one, I'd be like, okay, dude, you're going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and we'll come back. Break. Yep. Let's go. I get so much done. Sorry. It's hard. Uh, yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. But once I realized that everybody else was taken and just be yourself, I had to reverse that right. to myself. And like, they can't be like me. I'm already taken. Yeah. So let them be them. And that was, I think, my biggest failure point. So that was when you were in the general manager role and not because you weren't. Yeah. That's kind of like yeah, Michael Jordan was like, he wasn't the great coach because he had such high expectations for himself and such high work ethic. And he couldn't understand anybody that was not like, why are you not like me? And so, yeah. And coaching is helping people make progress regardless of from where they are to, you know, if they're at step C and you're trying to get them to D, then that's progress versus you're at step like, you know, L or M or something. Right. So, yeah, it was a big process and I'm glad I failed early in that career because in my career now leading a team of agents, it makes it that much more easy. I'm calmer some days, but if I'm stepping over the line, I understand it and I see it where before I would never see it. Right. That's interesting. So before we turn on the recorder, you're talking about NLP and that you've done training in NLP. So maybe could you describe, I love NLP and I'm a huge proponent of it in communication, but can you describe it to anybody who's listening who doesn't know what it is? And then I'm going to ask you some questions about it. Yeah. So NLP is neuro-linguistic programming. And basically in a nutshell, it is understanding how to use words to your advantage or tricking the mind, as they would say. So that was the key. In sales, they teach us, you know, how to ask open-ended questions, right? Or when ask a question, ask the question back kind of deal. So neuro-linguistics just dives a little deeper, how to control conversations. Like it's the silliest things as, you know, not answering the phone call, but calling them back. So now you're in control of the call. Little things like that, that would be neuro-linguistics. But understanding how to take control of the situation. Like, Give me an example of like Jim Tolucas does that. What you just talked about is he will let it go to voicemail and call them back because he is essentially saying, I'm the prize. I'm not going to jump every time you say jump. But give me an example yeah. where you can see if so if NLP. A neurolinguistics moment would be when I'm doing follow-up and I'm asking for a referral. So I call you up and say, hey, Scott, how you doing? I'm, you know, I just wanted to see, you know, your first mortgage payment that came out and I want to make sure everything's going, you know, nice with your mortgage payments, whatever the conversation is. And then I'm asking, hey, do you know anybody who's looking to move or buy, sell or refinance the next three to six months? Or do you know any real estate agents you can refer me to? Most times they would say, oh, you know, right now, Johnny, I'm not really sure. Well, if you did know somebody, who would it be? Right. And that re-triggers their mind. Yeah, that's a great follow-up question. If you did know, because it's broad and then yep. you go more focused. If you did know somebody, who would it be? Well, yeah. What I have done before is when I say to people, is there anybody you're working with right now that could use my help? So I'm talking to a real estate agent and they go, I can't think of it right now. So that's a broad question. Then the follow-up to that would be, even if they've been pre-approved somewhere else, I'd be happy to see if we can get them more money or help them qualify. And so what I'm going is, is from a broad statement of anybody, which sometimes they have someone, but then sometimes when you go more specific, like already pre-approved, now I'm getting into it. Like if I said to you, tell me a funny story, most people will be like, oh, But if I said, tell me about your funniest friend from high school, you'd be like, oh, I know a guy. And like, because your brain can actually work with that. It's very hard to work with a broad statement sometimes versus what you're doing there is narrowing them. Yeah. Narrow and going deep is what they would say. And then the other, I guess, example is being a chameleon, understanding how you adapt quickly to that person's personality, whoever you're dealing with and making them comfortable really quick. That is a very tricky skill to have. 
like you've got 30 seconds, right? And like a good salesperson will have a great elevator pitch, but somebody who understands neurolinguistics can do it with a flick of a switch. It's crazy. Yeah. Is there any other places where you've applied it? Like say during your discovery call or during your like strategy session, you can think of like just communication strategies that have been helpful. Yeah. So there's an old, you see what um, I did there. I gave you a narrowing question. I said, can you tell me about in your discovery call where you'd use this? So yeah. <laughs> Instead of making a broad, hey, tell me some NLP stuff, you were like, oh. Those that are listening to this call, if they study neurolinguistics, you're going to pick up on what you're doing and what I'm doing. It's yeah. fun. If you're on a discovery call or even on a strategy call, the idea is to have the idea come from the client, not from you. It's like you want to be hovering in a helicopter and there's a bunch of strings. You know where you want to land the client and you just make it seem like it was their idea. Right. That Give is an example of that. Yeah. So, you know, the best solution. So sometimes when you give somebody advice, they don't take the advice, right? They always want to go against what you're giving them. So the idea is to make it seem like they're the ones pulling on the strings, but you're really the puppet master up top. Yeah. And you would do that by presenting maybe two or three options. And you would really be pushing one, knowing that they're going to go with the other one, but that's the one you really want. Right. Yeah, I can think of an example of this. So when I was a paramedic, we would get a call for, say, a psych patient and the police and we would show up. And technically, we couldn't always make them to the hospital unless they were a danger, but we knew they needed to go. And so I would say to them this question, I'd say, do you want to go to the hospital with the police, with that guy who's not happy with you, or do you want to go with us? And they would jump in my ambulance, like, no problem. And so what I was doing is giving them, even in a state of, you know, whatever was going on in their world, and they were freaking out, they just wanted the choice. There was the illusion of choice, even though they were still going to the hospital. But there was the exactly. illusion of choice. And so that was an example. And it worked like crazy. If I said, hey, do you feel like going to the hospital? No. You know, okay, now it's the police. Like, do I have to arrest them? Like, versus I would always paint the picture of the cop as the bad guy and say, he's not super happy with you. Do you want to go with us? We're friendly. And I never had an issue with it. So that's how yeah, I see that. That's a good way of putting it. It's making them feel the illusion of choice. Even yeah. though well, you I mean, it is for their benefit. Answer. It's for their benefit, though. Yep. Like, I think the thing about NLP is that you can use it. Like, if you have a bad intent, you can sell bad products and put people into private mortgages when they don't need them. What I like about it is, is that it is a neutral skill. It's just, it depends on your personal ethics of how you use it. So to me, yeah, it's a communication exactly. skill. If I know this guy needs to go to the hospital, I'm going to use everything I can to convince him to go with the least amount of frustration for him and everybody else involved. I don't want him going in handcuffs yeah. if I can avoid it. I want him going compliant in the ambulance. And so am I manipulating him? Yes. But am I doing it for my benefit or his? I mean, if I wanted to be lazy, be like, throw him in the police car, I can leave here and go and the police takes him to the hospital and I don't have to worry about it. So I think with NLP, if people are listening to this, I don't want you to get the sense that we are, you know, going like, but reality is, is that it's communication is what we're talking about. Yeah. And you're always doing what's best for the client, obviously. I mean, that's the key, but I just think sometimes they're stubborn and blinded and they're, not having the right advice from their outside sources, where when we come in, we're giving them two or three options. We know we want them to land on that one, but it's like an indirect yeah. way of getting it. Yeah. Giving them choice. And most 99% of the time, they're going to make the choice that you already know. But you, you just sat down and said, hey, we're going to do this because it makes sense. They're going to resist you because yeah. it's like people don't want to just be told what to do. They want options. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that's a really good example. Another one that I've heard before that Brian Wiley uses when he's on his discovery call, which I thought was really good, is he will talk to his clients and say, like, just out of curiosity, Johnny, like how many times in the last five years has your bank reached out to you to readjust your mortgage? Because I've done it like tons for our clients. We save them thousands of dollars. So what he's doing there is creating doubt in your mind. Going, wait a second, they haven't done that for me. And yeah. then 
now all of a sudden he's creating a wedge between him and that bank who did nothing with that client for the last five years. And so I had that situation come up recently where I was approached by a client who knew I did mortgages, but five years ago they were with somebody else. They came to me to ask for a mortgage advice and they still went back to the other person to get advice from that one, from that agent. And my response was, listen, if that guy was a real good agent, he would have called you up until your renewal. Right. But you're contacting him, letting him know that your renewal is coming up. Why would you want that person representing you? Right. Kind of. Yeah. And so, so creating doubt is a, another one of those things. So that's really interesting. Okay. So, you know, your friends, people that know you best, if I were to ask you, what's your superpower, what would they say it is? If you ask people that have known me the longest, I think they would say my superpower is sales. Right. Um, if you ask my team of agents, I think they would say it's the motivation and coaching that we do and provide all the time. Right. As a salesperson, I had a track record of having a nickname being called the surgeon. And when people in the past had troubles closing a deal, they would call me in to come stitch the deal up. That was an old joke. It's like, we need to steal stitch, go get it done. And they go would send me to close That's hilarious, the surgeon. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can make so, money like surgeons without having all the you know 16 years of schooling. So it's not an unrealistic yes. uh, name. And sometimes more. Yeah. The team that's around me every day, I think the superpower would be the ability to motivate and get people mm-hmm. going and moving and coaching. That's awesome. What's the single best change you made your business in the last year? The single best change we've made is blueprinting the journey to success. So I've taken what I've done from all my failures and successes, and I put it on a roadmap. And now we preach this to our agents and we call it the journey to success. And one thing that we've implemented is that you can't graduate to section two until you complete section one. And section one, for instance, is building your identity. Who do you want to be? How do you want to look? What do you want to sound like to the world? What does your Google, my business look like, your socials, your LinkedIn's and everything else? Once you've built that, then we'll let you go to section two. Section two will be how to segregate your database, like separating prospects, realtors, and your clients. A lot of people say, but Johnny, I'm a new agent. I don't even have any clients. That's wrong. That's so wrong. You do have clients. If you've ever exchanged a dollar with somebody in your life, that is a client. They already know you, like you, and trust you. If it's your barber, if it's the convenience store guy that you buy your smokes from, you're exchanging money that in my books is a client because there's already that transactions happened. And so I teach our staff how to do that. Once you've graduated that part and you segregated your database, we'll teach you the unique value proposition on how to attract your referral sources, but you can't get to the attraction part until you've graduated section one or section two. That's just how we're doing it. We've implemented that and we're seeing some great success from our agents. Yeah, I'm the same way. I believe in like the way that we built our program is around a whole path to people, like a approach or we call it rookie to rockstar, but same idea. For somebody who's new in particular, if you're listening to this, you don't think you have clients or you can't build a database. Well, certainly most people, the average person has 300 friends on Facebook. So there's an instant network. You have some LinkedIn people. One of the ways you can think about building a list to start of people who to reach out to is if you were getting married or to get married again, right? Yeah. Who would you invite to your wedding? Like that's a framework question to go, oh, okay. Well, in that case, well, those people can all be clients potentially. I mean, not if they're like, you know, under the age of 20, probably, but that's another thing. And then another one I heard, which was interesting was look in your email, who's ever e-transferred you money. So yeah. like for anything, yeah. so maybe it's like, whatever, somebody you, you bought a bet off of, Hey man, remember I bought that bet off you about this thing. Cool. Just let you know, I'm in the work. Like you literally, as you said, it's a numbers game. It doesn't matter. Yeah. If, if there's a transaction there, that person already knows you, likes you and trusts like, you that you've exchanged yeah. dollars. Yeah. So there's a big advantage if you understand how to dissect your database 
And I think a lot of new people, they come in, it's like, I don't have a database. That's wrong. You do. You just, you haven't been in this business or you haven't been in sales, for instance, to understand how to segregate that database. And we spend a lot of time teaching that because it's the cheapest path to the cash is mining your database. Right. Yeah. The people that you know, that's amazing. Okay. So what's your, uh, something you're planning to change in the next 90 days? Yeah. So we're going to inspect what we expect. That's something that we're implementing. So obviously we spend a lot of time coaching and training our agents. And I think the accountability part on their side is not something that we've inspected. Mm -hmm. If you tell me that you've made three phone calls, then you know, we want to know who the three phone calls are. What were the objections? Almost we're implementing like a roll call system. It's like, we're going to jump on a call and you're going to tell me about your week and we're going to inspect what we expect. If you're saying you did three presentations to referral sources, we want to know about them. And that's right. something that we want to implement. So holding our agents accountable. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. That's amazing. Okay. So I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions. You can answer shorter answers if you like. What's one thing people can't find out about you from Google? <laughs> they can't find out that I have a black belt. Oh, what martial art? In Taekwondo. Oh, cool, man. How long have you had yeah. that? Since I was 11 or 12, something like that. That's cool. Yeah, so I've had, I'm, I'm, I'm doing Muay Thai with my son and it's a ton of fun. He's 16 now and he's getting bigger and strong. He's getting really hard to spar. Like he's wearing me out and, you know, he's taller. How do you, how do you faster. find it going to the same class with your kid? Cause I've got a seven-year-old. I'm trying to get him into martial arts. I just, are you well, doing this? I didn't are you doing start when he was younger. So we do private lessons with a couple different coaches. And so they train us and then we spar with the coach. We spar with each other. And sometimes I get the coach to beat him up first so that he's tired and we'll Where's put him in the shark you? tank. Wears him down. I'm like, I am not going in the shark tank. You know, I'm 47 years old. You are going in the shark tank. And then when he does that, then I'm like, okay, he's a bit slower. And I do need to get him some new training partners though, because we've been just doing private lessons. And I feel like, you know, he knows the couple little tricks I have, which aren't many, he's got figured out. Even our coach, he's got him kind of dialed in a bit. And so like the coach could obviously kill him if he wanted to, but like they're not sparring heavy. And so I think yeah. Anyways, we're digressing here, but That's okay. I, I like I, I'm, a big mar- I'm a big martial arts fan. I've been taking martial arts since I was six and I haven't done anything in the last maybe 10, 15 years, but that's something that you won't find on Google about me. Yeah. And so what the one thing I'd say is what I found when he was younger, he wasn't as into it, but now that he's a bit older, like, you know, my, he's 16 now when he was younger, the interest wasn't there. And then the other thing is you touched on this earlier, you said about understanding that everybody's wired different. And so you, everybody that you coached when you're a mortgage broker, when you had your car thing, they're not all going to be Johnny. I know that my son, the way he's wired is he does not like to be not good at things. And so if I dropped him in a group class and he was the weakest kid in the class, he wouldn't want to do it. So this is why I put him in private lessons. He's done 125. Like he is quite good now. And so he would have no problem going, but I did this because I know I don't care about being the worst person in the class. I'm just like, teach. But his wiring is like, I don't like to be the worst in the class. And so I know he probably wouldn't start. So I engineered it around that personality. It's funny you say that. I think I learned that lesson. Like when we asked earlier about my biggest failures, I think I learned a lot of it too, is when my son was born. And then when he became four five, six, and there was more communication, I started realizing that he's not going to be just like me. Yeah. And I took that and I was like, well, shit, if he's not going to be like me and he's my flesh and blood. Yeah. He's your genetic part of your genetic, you know. Uh, yeah. If, if he's not going to mimic who I am, then how am I going to get these people I'm training to be like me? So, yeah, that's interesting. I'd say I have three kids and they're all very different. So what's a movie everybody should watch at least once? <laughs> wow. That's a cool question. Uh, Friday. Friday. Everybody should watch Friday. That's with uh, Chris Tucker and Ice Cube. Okay. Um, have you watched it? I don't think I have. 
It's a big uh, '90s movie. It's something I probably watched a million times over and over. I can recite the whole thing probably word for word. A lot, There's a lot of one-liners that come out of that. Yeah. How the do you get fired on a day off? Mega mind. It's a cartoon. Your kid yeah, will love it. I know. I know. I know. Very I've, well. I've yeah. watched it too many times. I just love that movie. What is one software program or digital tool you can't run your business without? Software tool. My phone. Yeah, of course. Yeah, what do you think is going to happen with rates I mean, in the next twelve months? I think we're going to see a rate drop come at the end of the year, probably December time. We're not I going to see so. the same. Yeah, we're not going to see the the seven increases like we did. We're not going to see the quick one and a half drop like we did. I just think we're going to start seeing some rate cuts coming in December. That's my thought. I'm hoping so because I'm in variable rates like most of my friends. And it's like, dang. So, Taking a beating. So DeLorean question. Remember that movie Back to the Future? If I could send you back in time to your first day as a mortgage broker 2017 and you could say, Johnny, do these three things. What would you tell yourself? Block schedule my time. I would hire an assistant much sooner than I ever did. Yeah. And um, I would segregate my database. I would get really good at that. Understanding how to work the CRM. Yeah, that's really good advice. You know what? It's so funny that if you're listening to this and you're new, that is pretty much what everybody says, a version of what you just said. And so just do it. Like people that are ahead of you, as soon as you're able to do those things. So where can people find you online if anybody's looking for you? Yeah, you can find us at your Nesta Financial on Instagram. So your Nesta underscore financial. You can email me at Johnny at your Nesta.ca. And your Nesta is N-E-S-T-A? Yeah, like your Y-O-U-R N-E-S-T-A, your Nesta. Because there's another company called Nesto, right? I was first, by the way. Yeah. But hey, those guys are like... For the record, for all you people out there listening. (laughs) Those guys have like a bajillion dollars too, I think. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, they're pretty large. Um, (laughs) Awesome. We're not there yet. Yeah, one day. Good chat with you, man. And uh, thanks for coming to, you know, share some of your knowledge and expertise and the NLP stuff I absolutely love. So thanks, Scott. Thanks for having me. This is a great honor. Hey, thanks again for listening. Hopefully you got some ideas from my conversation with Johnny, especially when we got into the tactical stuff around NLP and communication. I personally believe that communication is a superpower that you need to develop over time. And I certainly did not have it when I got into the mortgage business, but something I continually work on. And as we touched on, you know, you can use this stuff for good or bad, but if you have good intent, you have a high degree of ethics, the better you get at communicating, the better you can actually help people. And so I've always thought of sales as serving and I want to become the best communicator of that in order to help people out because otherwise they're, you know, make bad choices. They'll go the wrong direction. And so anyway, hopefully you find that helpful. If you are a rookie and you're like, hey, how do I, you know, I need a path to run my business on, you can check out our rookie to rockstar.ca. We've got a webinar there. We show you how we put you through an entire program where we help you find business, convert clients, and then fund the mortgages. Check that out and check out this next section where I talked to Kevin about co-branding and finding loans in your database. Hey, Kevin, welcome to Ask the Experts. Thanks, Scott. So, hey, today's topic I want to chat with you about is co-branding and finding basically more loans in your database, which, hey, you get paid. We'll talk about that. But you also can lead to more opportunities for mortgages. And so let's dive into that. So big success. Like the feedback that I'm getting from brokers that are deciding to co-brand with us has been nothing but great. So all they're doing is they're promoting their own subsection of their company. So whatever their, their brokerage is called. So it could be, you know, Dominion Lending Auto Finance, or, or they can personalize it with their own brokerage name. And the only requirement that we have is that they just put in their advertisement or any kind of email to their database saying that the auto lending is powered by KDK Financial. 
And my business development manager will send you all the marketing material that you need in order to stay um, legal as far as the uh, auto lending uh, world is concerned. And yeah, you kind of just promote that you do auto loans now. And what it's doing, it's, it's opening up conversations with people that the broker wouldn't have had an opportunity to talk to before. So a couple things happen when a broker co-brands, they either get a car deal, which gives them, you know, a $500 commission, or they get a car deal and a new client to possibly do a mortgage with down the road. So basically the whole point of it is to open up more conversations and definitely brokers are getting mortgage referrals out of it. And then the car loan is just kind of cream on the cake. Right. Okay. So let's walk through a sample email. So here's what I would probably do if it was me, something like subject, we now do auto loans and then, Hey, first name. Just to let you know, with you know KDK Financial, we've expanded into offering auto loans. You may think, why would a mortgage broker offer auto loans? Here are three examples of why it might make sense to look at an auto loan, and then give the examples of like you know lowering the payment on the auto. Second one would be changing the title from you know personal to a company name or whatever, like just changing the ownership of the vehicle. What would be the third thing that we put in there? So acquisition is a big one, right? Or so buying, you're just buying also, a car. If you want to buy a car, we can get you qualified or pre-approved. Is that, could you get pre-approved? Yeah, you get pre-approved uh, 100%. And the nice thing about that is you can point and shoot, right? So even if you can't find a vehicle at a dealership, we can finance a private sale and just cut them a check for that. So it's a super cool way to do it. And a lot of clients like dealing with their mortgage broker to do that because, you know, there's a lot of good dealerships out there, but there's a lot of dealerships that are kind of really high pressure, right? And, and sometimes the finance office is one of the... Uh, the worst spots. It's sad to say, but it could be very high pressure, hidden fees and stuff like that. So there's certainly um, an advantage to just being able to walk into a dealership with a certified check, drop it off and walk away with your car. And having the mortgage broker set up the car loan gives that ability to the client. So it's a super cool way to do. Right. Okay. Three things. I just thought of this as we're talking. One, you know, take cash out of a vehicle that there's equity in it. Second is lower your payment, you know, by re-amortizing. The third is purchase a newer used car. Either way, we can help yada, yada. So an email like that, I think would do great. Does that cover what we'd put in an email? Exactly. And we've got all sorts of examples. Like we have a bunch of, you know, examples of different social media posts that brokers across Canada have done, you know, little sections of their emails that they send their database. So we're here to help if you're needing some kind of, uh, you know, a template per se that you'd send to your database, just reach out to my business development manager, Chris, and he'll send you a bunch of materials that you can use. Okay. So you got templates for social media and I can see how this obviously, so one, Email your database. That's easy. The second thing is social media. So people that, you know, most people have about 300 friends on Facebook and, you know, depending on Instagram, wherever they are. So sharing on social, you guys have templates, but they could use their own. Again, you know, just a general rule. If it was me, I'd probably only talk about one of those topics. I wouldn't try to put three topics in a social media post. You know, if we talked about equity takeout, lowering payments or purchasing a new used car, I think it'd be more about repetition and each clearly identified type for a different post because you can post lots on social media. It's not like it's just a one and done thing, right? Not like once a week or something. Would you yeah. agree with that or what are your thoughts? 100%, I agree. Yeah, and the nice thing is we leave the creative totally up to the mortgage broker. So we give them the material. The only thing that we need is obviously for them to mention it's powered by KDK Financial or if it's an ad, we can make sure that they have the logo. And then the creativity is totally up to the broker on how they want to market it. It's kind of cool to see how different brokers do market it. The biggest thing is they want to get their name out there that if you know a client was trying to qualify for a mortgage and they couldn't get it done because they were short on cash down or the broker told them that their car payments were too high or, or whatever it is, the broker wants to let them know that they have the solution to fix that. So, but right. yeah, the creative is completely up to the broker. Yeah. And you could share stories. I mean, a framework that I've always used or that I like for social media is, you know, hook, story, call to action, right? 
So then the hook could be like we talked about an example before how somebody used a car loan to buy an investment property. That's a hook. Mm-hmm. Hey, Scott Peckford here. Just let you know that recently had a client who was looking to buy an investment property and needed money quickly and ended up having this car that was worth whatever. We were able to take money out of the car within 72 hours. He was able to purchase the property. Yet, you know, that's just one of the creative ways we can solve problems. Call me. So something to that effect. You know, this idea, yep. I like hook story call to action as a framework. So for social media, if it's going to be video type stuff, usually that's what I would do. So email, social media, you guys have templates, you can think about what would apply there. And then also the last would be obviously talking to your referral partners. And so what do you use your advice for if somebody's reaching out to their realtors, financial advisors, anybody like that? What would you suggest there? Just exposure, right? Like anytime that you can let your referral partners know that you have a different service, it's all about starting conversations, right? Before, if you're, you know, a mortgage broker, obviously your referral partners are going to send you clients that are looking for a mortgage. But if it turns out that you let them know that you do other services, you're going to get to talk to more people. And the more conversations you have with more people leads to more business. It's just plain and simple. Right. And then, you know, if you're talking to your referral partners, again, it just comes back to the same thing. Say, hey, just let you know, I'm talking to my realtors. Hey, let you know, we now offer auto loans. And they may be like, why would you do auto loans? Because we can lower payments for people to help them qualify. We can take out cash to clear up debts. And then what will be the third thing? Well, anything really, right? Like it, it comes down to, like, there's going to be situations where, you know, you're working with a realtor who knows that their client doesn't have cash down, right? Or situations like that, or know that they've been turned away from their previous broker because the debt servicing was out. So it's just about kind of letting your partners know that you have tools that nobody else has and that you'll stand out from any other mortgage broker and get more deals done. Right. Yeah. I think it's awesome. So is there any last sort of comments or thoughts you have on somebody who is thinking about, you know, doing some co-branding, co-marketing on this product? Just reach out to us. Like we have, like I said, you know, probably 10, 15 different examples of different videos and different marketing pieces that other brokers have used. And you might use it as a bit of inspiration, right? And then obviously we'll provide you with the logo that has to be on any uh, photo ads or anything like that. And advice, like we know which brokers are top producers. So we'll kind of lean you towards how they kind of market it and then kind of let you do your own thing. Right. Amazing. And so if you guys are listening to this, go to KDK Financial. Kevin and his team can help you out with any of this stuff, get you set up really quick. And they're extremely responsive. So you shoot them an email. What do they need if they're going to email you, Kevin? What is the typically they want to see in that email? Run the scenario past you. Yeah. So we always just start out with a broker quote. So it's your make model, roughly what the client owes, what their current payment is. That's for doing refinance, cash back, stuff like that. And with that information, we can let you know exactly how low we can get the payment or how much cash you can extract, et cetera, et cetera. Or if it's an acquisition, just send us the details on what the client's looking to buy and, and stuff like that. We'll quote you a payment, quote you a rate. And then if you lock it down, then the next step is to just uh, email us the client's uh, contact info. So super easy process. Once you get your first one down, you'll see how simple it is. And it almost becomes addictive. Really right. But well, certainly That's easier than, than getting mortgages done. Like no offense to my mortgage friends, but that's awesome, man. Thanks again, Kevin, for coming to chat with me. If you guys are listening to this, I encourage you to go check out kdkfinancial.com. Kevin and his team are amazing and can help you put this together so you can do some co-branding if you choose. And also just look at your database, look at your current pipeline, see if there's opportunities to help a client out. And uh, yeah, dude, excited about all the success that you're having and uh, keep crushing it. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right. Hopefully you got some ideas from this conversation today with Johnny and Kevin and some inspiration. The last thing I'd say is that if you want to go back and keyword search all of our past episodes, 
go to ilovemortgagebrokering.com and you can set up a free power search account and you can literally keyword search every episode. So you can type in NLP, for example, and you can find every single episode where the word NLP comes up and then you can jump right to that spot. The only thing I tell you is make sure you do it in a full screen mode, just the way that the viewer works. It's much easier and you can actually see the words have been transcribed. So if there's a script there you like, like even stuff we talked about today, you can just literally go copy and paste that script. And check that out totally free. I love mortgagebrokering.com. Thanks again for this episode, and I will see you on the next show. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.